welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday night, which means it is Sunday night teacher talk. And there's no football this week, so, I mean, we have we have time tonight. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't we? Look at you. <laughs> You're like all jazzed up tonight. I am not all jazzed. You look all jazzed up. You could be on live feed. Um, so look, for those of you that are brand new, um, Sunday Night Teacher Talk is developed out of the idea that teachers hate Sunday nights because they get all nervous and weird about what's going to happen that week. And like, um, we are trying to, my wife, who sits next to me and pulls up all of your questions, and I are like just trying to help people out. So like, what are your questions? What are your concerns? What's going on? What are you thinking about? um as you are getting ready for the week um and so that's that's kind of where we're at so um yeah what do you think about that why is no comments on i don't know oh, what's going live, on here you have to hit live chat oh. tracy pinter's on there like always tracy pinter's always on there she's magical unicorn no oh, there it is okay now the chat wasn't showing up for a second um Mel M said, good afternoon. Mel M, where are you? Where are you from? You may have told me that before, but I forget. Uh, Leah Pratt, what's up? Here comes everybody. Karen Jean Hunt. Armenia. Armenia. She is, I like that Karen like shouts out Armenia every time that she's on. And in the DM also. So I see you, Armenia, over there. Um oh, Las Vegas. Yeah, so I guess it's the afternoon there. I guess it's technically afternoon here. It just looks like the dark night of the soul outside uh it's just freezing cold all the time but at least we don't have 97 feet of snow like tracy pinter does but so look um what are you doing okay so um while i'm waiting for people to just jump in oh it melted already um and then i'm wondering so look, I, I have a I have a question from from Teachers Connect, but I'm wondering, um, what is this? I'm wondering what you all think about the the idea of uh, there is a so on Teachers Connect. I was on Teachers Connect and I was looking at a question on there, um, and they said so. If, if you don't know, Teachers Connect is an online platform where just teachers, educators are allowed to go in. You create an account; it's free. They ask for like very minimal information. And then you can just post things and get answers from other educators. So woman Kayla is doing, it lives in North Dakota. They're doing a North Dakota, a class called North Dakota studies. And they're talking about indigenous people. And they're, she's having a hard time finding like information that is um, specifically based on the people that she's working with. And I think the interesting thing about that to me is um. I think pulling people in for stuff like that is far more interesting than just the lesson plan. Um, but I'm wondering if anyone has any particular idea of like, if you are in somewhere that's specific, right? You live in, and it could be indigenous people. It could be local history or culture, like where you live and how do you teach about that place? Like, where does your content come from? And then what could Kayla use to sort of like tap into that world or, or start knowing where to look or who to talk to and stuff like that? Because, you know, 
as I was reading, I was thinking like, I'm kind of spoiled because I teach in Philadelphia, which is like, you know, the birthplace of our country. Um, and so it, it is, there's so much stuff here. And the, the city, like tourism is driven by, you know, history. And, and so, and duck boats, but those aren't safe. Uh, but other than that, like, I, I just, I'm, that's what I'm wondering is like, how are all of you, like, how do you, where do you find that kind of stuff? Like, what are you, what are you doing to, to do that stuff? Um, and yeah, so that's, that's that. So we have, uh, as I'm waiting for like, if anyone has questions, go ahead and put them in. Um, and I said, someone's back. That means Brody's back. And now dog's barking. So, all right. That you know, sometimes your dog wants to eat your kid. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, now I forget what I was going to say. I was going to say, hi, Brode. Hi. What in the world was I going to talk? That you literally scared the thought out of my head when you did that. Um, who are we talking about? I now don't remember. I don't remember. First up, go check out my channel again. I'm always going to be popping up again. Also, I look handsome people. You do look handsome. Comment extra. down below. You like, paid extra you for that. You, they give you, don't you know they give you ugly kids if you don't pay enough at the hospital? And I was like, nope, take that one back. I what, want to upgrade. People? Do you think I'm handsome? Comment. No, no, don't comment. Comment no, there. Weird. Comment yeah. there. All right. And let me go do my live feed. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um. So, what am I thinking of? Uh, we have parent-teacher conferences tomorrow night, um, so all day tomorrow, and I'm wondering, um, I'm just thinking about that, and then we have PD on Tuesday, so it's a very short week, and I saw somebody say, no school tomorrow, um, I'm up at 2 a.m., uh, Richard Royster's on here, Richard Royster, you're as old as I am, so you should be able to appreciate that, and I'm thinking about people not in school, and then I'm going to jump into actual questions here. If you have not watched the new Karate Kid show that is on YouTube, it is so good, I can't even stand it. I can't even stand how good it is. Even my wife likes it. And my wife, would, you shouldn't like that. You should not like that show. No, I shouldn't. But it's, it's actually so really good. good. <laughs> it's so good. So um, are we ready? Oh, no questions? Yet? Oh, come on. All right. I, I mean, maybe we just, we did it. Um, we, got, we got out of school on Friday on account of the flu. Richard, your whole school got out early because some because the kids had the flu. Um, this week probably missed a day or two to cold because it's too cold in Kentucky. I didn't think does I didn't think it got that hot and cold in Kentucky. I always think Kentucky's hot. Um, Tracy, no, Tracy Printer said Brody kills it or is awesome. I'm not telling him that because then I'll tell him later because then he's going to jump back on here. Um, Oh, question. How do Donna said that she watches the Karate Kid thing? Dude, I'm telling you, it is all world. Um, yeah. You got that one? Mm -hmm. Okay, so first question. Diana Forbes is saying, you mentioned in a recent video that uh, no one wants to attend the school you teach at. Are the kids picked or selected to go to the school or the districts? Um, or is it a district thing like a normal school? So the, we're a charter school, but what that means is students are picked by lottery. So they... Have essentially have their name put in um they they apply to go to the school well, that was gonna say that's it you have to start with everybody yeah. applies everyone applies them. you don't have to have any special um, like you don't <laughs> test to get into the school you don't have to have any certain grades 
or anything like that. Um, can you have, have that? Um, and so they, but then your name is like literally picked by lottery to go to the school. And then, but no one wants to go there because it's all boys school and they have to wear a uniform and they have to learn Latin. So it's like the trifecta of awful and to a ninth grader, right? Because every boy that comes in tries to act like he has eight girlfriends outside of school. But like, and if God forbid there were girls here, it would be like trouble. Um, so it does, it does present a lot of interesting conversations. We're like talking about like why girls aren't a distraction. Like you might think they're a distraction because you know, you're looking at them or that's what you're thinking about all the time but it's like no women are not a distraction they are like that's you that's you know that has nothing to do with them just like walking around um and so that creates a lot of interesting conversations but i think like i would have never thought i'd teach in a single sex high school but i love it it is teaching all boys and i wouldn't not that i wouldn't learn to teach all girls but like you know girls historically have had way worse fights than i've had to break up oh like girls there's are- like girls like in Camden used to lock themselves in the bathroom like they would like pass a note like meet me in the bathroom and then they and I'm like to go fight yeah and then I'd be like or remember the one time (laughs) I was out one day and they didn't have someone cover my class these girls had a fight and then they cleaned it afterwards it was like the most responsible fighting they moved all my desks into a circle then they fought they called their parents said we're about to fight you might want to come up and pick us up because we're gonna get suspended then they fought then they cleaned my room before they went to the office hey that's very funny Taji Whitaker best fight I, I every time i see her online i remind her of that i'm like hey you had the best fight i ever saw in my life um richard royster saying danielson is a bit of a jerk though no yeah but i think that's the jam right like that's what i love is like learning look let, let, let's talk about the karate kid real quick and there's probably someone out there that's going oh my god what the hell is he talking about let's talk about the karate kid because i think in the show um johnny who's the bad guy in the original karate kid movie in this show, they kind of break down, like, why are kids that are jerks, jerks? Like, why are bullies, bullies? Because something happened in your life that made you that way. You didn't, most people don't just, like, now look, I've known some people personally in my life that I'm like, I think you were just born, like, not nice. I don't I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened with your parents, if it was a full moon. I, I don't know. But you're just not a nice dude. But most kids that I deal with, that are mean to other kids, that are jerks, that are bullies, that are a terror in the classroom. There's a story behind that. And that's one of the things I love so much about this show is it's like watching and learning about someone and then you start having empathy for them and then you can meet them in that place and actually work with them. And that is what it's one of the things I like the best about the show right now that I think is so awesome. Um, Jules G is saying, so I will be teaching sonics to ninth graders and I have some ideas connecting music and hip hop, but any ideas or tips with ELL in the classroom? Uh, there are several who struggle with writing and figurative language. So look, I think that that's a great question. Um, I think getting over, so if you're doing sonics, getting over the language is, is the interesting part, right? Like having kids break it down and then having them like, we always decode um, and I have to, depending on the grade, I, and sometimes no matter the grade, um, we always break down Papa like it's hot because I just feel like that's like a Snoop song that everybody knows. Um, and literally like I was out last night and I was out with some folks and there was a DJ there and he's playing like all this new hip hop, most of it I'd never heard in my life. 
And then that song came on and it, the whole place went nuts. Like everyone in the bar went crazy because everyone loves that song. So I always use it, but I do like censor some of the words out of it. The thing is that that the language in the song in a hundred years, or, you know, if we even look at Shakespeare in 500 years, nobody's going to know what, what, what he was talking about. What's what is Snoop talking about when he says, when the pigs try and get at you, pop it like it's hot. Like, like were there farm animals attacking you when you had to like stand up for yourself? Like what happened there? So I think getting over some of that language and then remembering like in songs, the reason that like kids like bars is because somebody figured out some wordplay that no one else thought of. And it's like, yo, my guys always just say like bars. They love when there's some kind of interesting role, like wordplay going on in there. And so I, that's what I would do. I always show the end of eight mile too. When like, um, when Eminem is like in that last battle, when he finally wins, we talk about that. I think, uh, and if you go on um, my website or on YouTube, uh, there's playlists and there's all these, there's a playlist called like what I talk about when I teach hip hop or something along those lines. And then it's all the videos that I use from hip hop and that can help also. I think also there's a really good book that a friend of mine put out called Learn Then Burn. And that is, it is poetry from a company called uh, Right Bloody Poetry, which is my favorite publishing company in the world. And so it gives you the poem. Sometimes it tells you where there's an online source, like you can watch the video for that poem also. And then it gives you like simple worksheets to help kids. And they have poems like Ode to My Boombox or, um, you know, The Victory Explosion, <clears throat> which is about a fourth grader that got beaten a fifth grader that got beaten up by a fourth grader because he kissed his girlfriend underwater at a pool party. And so it's just fun. And it, it's, I think it's more accessible. And so that, that would be my, my recommendation for that one. Um, that book was called learn then burn. Uh, Tom Cooper is asking, what do you do about students who absolutely, who do absolutely nothing despite trying to get them to work? Um, so Tom, I, I do a couple things, right? So it depends. It depends on the kid. And so first I would have a conversation, right? Pull that kid aside, talk to them about it and see maybe what's going on. And and I, as, as the longer I talk to kids, the more I have like, I have less patience for hearing people's story sometimes um, because I get to the point where it's like, I go, hey, what, you know, what's going on, man? Like this is how you're acting in class. Like this is what I'm seeing. Anyway, that's all I always start. This is what I'm, this is what I think I'm seeing. Let's talk about that. And then a kid will go, nothing, nothing's going on. And I'm like, bro, like let's, this is the part where I lose my patience and, and not in a bad way, but it's like, look, I am really good at getting kids to talk to me. It's going to happen. So why don't we just cut the shit, have the conversation, and then we can take it from there. Cause otherwise this is exactly how it's going to go. I'm going to say, what's going on. You're going to say nothing. I'm going to say, well, can you tell me if something's bothering you in school? Is anything going on in my class? No. Is anything going on at home? You don't have to tell me what it is. I'm just asking if something's going on at home. Yes. Okay. Does it have to do with your mom or your dad? And then like, I just whittle them down until they tell me what's going on. And, and it's like, can we just cut this and get into it? That helps a lot too. When you can understand where a student's coming from, that helps a lot. I find that most students, it's one of two things. They are either, they either feel alone or embarrassed or ashamed of, of what's going on, or they are making up excuses in their head and it, it provides them an out for why they don't have to do stuff. 
So I, I think that's where I would start. And then there's a thousand things you could do to follow that up, but it's that connection piece always um, that starts it out. I find that if students don't feel like they're confident, like they can't actually, like this work doesn't mean anything or it's not actually going to get me to where I want to go, they're not going to do anything. Like why would they ever do something if they don't think it's going to get them somewhere? Um, and so we had a conversation the other day in class where a dude was was complaining that I, that I did something wrong, that I was not putting in his grades, that I wasn't in class, that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, the, the basis of that conversation was, um, I tried to talk to him about it. He was belligerent, talking under his breath, cursing at me and stuff like that. And, and so it comes down to like me just having real conversations with kids. Like, no, you do know that I want to help you. You, like I'm here every day. If you want help, come and see me about it. But like, let's have this real conversation about like why your grades really are the way that they are. And then let me just suffocate the nonsense. Like, or as Gary Vee would say, like, we're just going to suffocate the bullshit. So same, person. Um, same person. I can do that with most, but there's one that I can't get to pick up paper. Um, I, you know, Sometimes it's hard to say stuff online. I'm gonna put myself on blast. Anyway, there's the conversation that I had in class. I said, the problem is, is that you don't understand that nobody else cares. No one in the world's gonna care that your mom's an alcoholic, that your dad's in jail, that um, you're quietly, you're silently dyslexic and no one knows that you have a processing disorder. Like the world doesn't care. They want results and no results equals you end up living in your mom's basement. That, that's the bottom line. But what you need to know, and I told this student, more than anything, is that I care. And the thing that hurts me the most is that it actually hurts my feelings that you think I don't because I probably care for a lot of you guys more than you actually care about yourselves. And I 100% believe in most of you more than you actually believe. Like you might believe in yourself, but not to the extent that I do. And so let's suffocate that bullshit right now because you saying that it's my fault or that I did something is you providing yourself with an out for not doing the work. Like, I'm not going to do the work anyway. He doesn't care. This doesn't do anything. This class is stupid. This is nonsense. And it's like, nope, let's squash that now. Because I'm telling you to your face that I care more than you could possibly understand that I'm willing to do anything I can, not just so you can get the grade, get the mark, get the, you know, pass the class, but so that you can become the best version of yourself. So when you're ready to show up and really do that, like, let's 100% do it. But no that it's nonsense that you're spewing right now. And I think that sometimes students are just not used to having conversations like that. And, and I think when we do have conversations, and that, that's not every kid, right? Like most kids I'm very gentle with, but like when you do have conversations like that, it can shift something in a student because it's almost like they're living in denial on such a level that like you're almost punching them in the face with the truth. Um, and that is like an awakening for students. And I just like, if that's what's needed, then, then that's what's needed. And, and I've, I've had really good responses from having conversations like that. Um, I'm in no way saying that you should punch kids or curse at them. Um, but yeah, there was no, but cause I was going to make a joke about, no, I never punched a kid. Um, how do Donna is asking, uh, got the book miracle morning. Nice work. Uh, just read something about get out and run. And this is one of those reasons why you're running out. So 
<clears throat> I have done, I'm working on a video that I'm trying to get out, but my kids were sick since last Thursday, like the week before. Yeah, it's been like a week and a half. It's like been like a week and a half everyone being sick and I haven't been able to get anything done. So um, video wise, anyway, I answered 38 emails in one day the other day and that was huge. But um, I always do morning rituals like and I have since I was probably 19, right? And it's typically early in the morning before everyone else gets up, even before I had kids, I liked doing that. And so this recent iteration is in a snapshot, it's like getting up early at five and then I go through like a series of things that I do. Um, and then I wanted to add on to that running, but I'm not running in the morning. I used to always run in the morning. I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning, quarter to five in the morning, go for a run because um, it gets me energized. And I'm just not feeling like that now. The thing now is I have to run every day for a year, but that's more because I think what I'm trying to do is put myself in a place where I am putting myself in pain on purpose because I think my, there's a couple of thoughts there. Sometimes I'm just trying to, um, I just want to do something that I don't think I can do. Like running every day for a year is hard and I'm going to prove to myself that I can do it. Like, so today I'll run as soon as this live feed is done. Um, that'll be day 49. Tomorrow will be day 50. Like, like I've rarely done anything difficult in my life for 50 days in a row. And so that's part of where that running piece comes from. Now, here's the other interesting thing I'm learning in the last two years, right? Since starting YouTube, students hear us talk about like us wanting them to be the best version of themselves, us wanting the world for them, all of this great success and anything like a life that they actually want and not just something that's handed to them or something that like um, is mediocre. But when we as teachers live in mediocrity, right? Like when you're when your marriage is mediocre, when your class is mediocre, when your life is mediocre. I just think that that is like similar to my mom telling me don't smoke while she's smoking a cigarette, right? Like it's like, it doesn't add up. And so, I don't know what that meant right there. That was a little weird hand gesture. But um, so one of the things I think is cool is like kids saw me when I had five subscribers on YouTube and two of those, both, it was my kids, my wife, I think my grandmother figured out how to do it somehow and some other random person that I'm friends with, right? And then slowly over time, it grew to the point of like, okay, people are subscribing that I don't know now. So when I hit 100, I had kids that were like, yo, I've been on YouTube for five years. I haven't hit 100 subscribers. And then when I hit 1,000, it was like party and confetti and balloons in my class <clears throat> and cereal day. And like, it was an explosion of awesomeness. And then- 10,000. And like, so the idea here is like kids seeing the channel grow. That's been one of the best things about the channel is like kids watching, like when I do big guy, little car on Instagram and I get 2000 people that will watch it. Um, the students are like, you get 2000 views, like on a video. And then it's like breaking that down and saying like, you know, um, I, I think showing kids, like, this is what hard work looks like. And then even with the running thing, like telling, I keep kids updated. Like when I, they watch my, my Instagram stories and when I run every day. And so that's part of the reason I do that. But like all this to say, I think when you're doing something cool, just telling your students about it. And that could be anything. That could be, you started cooking, you started eating organic. You started going on a juice fast. You were um, learning how to, you start taking swimming classes or, or salsa or whatever you're doing. I just think you're low, you're, you're, 
growing with the students and they're seeing that like you are a lifelong learner and you're talking about what that looks like in your life i just think it's a cool way to to kind of be the example to the students sorry that was long mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. a, a, we call that a reynolds rant <laughs> teachers do like alliteration all the time um diana acton is asking <clears throat> what are your most effective strategies for impacting teacher workload i'm in my first year of training in the UK and one lesson literally takes me hours. I think, <clears throat> so, so I don't know why I'm- Cause we've all been. <laughs> I don't get sick though. It's for old me. <laughs> um, I think there's a couple of things, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, one is not to recreate the wheel. So Deanna, I would say, if there are lessons out there that you can pull from, that you can steal, um, there's a really great book. Can you grab uh, the Austin Kleon book over there? Oh, I might have taken it to school. I think it's on the second shelf down on the far right. It's called Austin. No, it's called Steal Like an Artist. So there's this book called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. Um, I just wanted to show you it in case you want to order it from Amazon. Um, Austin Kleon talks about how to steal like an artist and how over time, tons of artists have stolen from one another. Like, like how, he'll, and he'll pull in real famous people too, like Vincent Van Gogh or, or Pablo Picasso or musicians that he likes. And like how everyone's just a, is a version of the people that came before them. And for some reason, teachers often think that they have to recreate the wheel, that they have to come up with this whole brand new lesson that no one ever saw before about Lord of the Flies, when instead just go steal somebody else's and then what you do is you tweak it to be your own. Because even, look, I, I think, no, I think lessons are like recipes, right? So like if my wife makes, she makes very good banana bread. Now, if she gave me that, that recipe, my banana bread would not be so good, even though I have the same lesson. But somebody that's a better baker than even my wife is, um, there she goes, uh, could probably take that same exact recipe, but just the way they do it is just better. So just taking someone else's lesson, um, it's not like plagiarism. It's you're just taking that same idea and then you're building on it. So one of the things that I do is I go on Google, I'll type in, um, if I'm doing Lord of the Flies and I wanna do something new, Lord of the Flies lesson plan, D-O-C, doc. So that means I get an actual document back. It's not a PDF that I can't manipulate. <clears throat> I think that's the first way that I would say to do that. I think also, working with people in your school and then just shouting, like if you like something that another, let's say if I, if there's another ninth grade literature teacher, this just happened the other day. Uh, my man, Mr. Wascom, who also teaches ninth grade, he's a really great teacher. He's been at it for about three years. He's talking about imagery, but um, the kind of imagery, what is it called? Olfactory imagery, I think, um, where you smell something and it like magically transports you back to something. And in the back of his classroom, he had one of those new like vape, what's those vape essential oil johns that people, everyone's oh, like doing. Essential oil humidifier. Yeah, so one of those things, he has it in the back of the room and it's peppermint. And he starts asking the kids like, what does that make you think of when you smell that? And I thought that was such a great idea. And I followed up with him after I've observed his class because I just go in and just observe people just for fun. I was talking to him about that. And I was like, dude, I'm totally taking that idea. Like, I'm going to go use it in my class. And I'll tell everyone that I got it from you. But I just, you know, it's too good of an idea. And these ninth graders are never going to be taught by you anyway. So they'd never know about it. 
otherwise. Like, it's not like I'm stealing your thunder for next year. But so the, I just think that that's a good idea. It's like, go observe other people, see what they're doing, and then say, hey, would you mind if I use that? And it's like, no, no one's going to mind. So that's that's how I would do that. I think that's a really good move on how to do that. What do you got, lady? Lady. Would you be my boyfriend? No, I'm your dad. Um, <laughs> He's finishing your song, right? Oh, no, I was singing a lot of Richie songs. <laughs> Lady. That was that great video. We talked about that before. Um, Alexia Gotzi? I think that's what I'm going with. Um, Alexia is saying, hey, student teacher here, really struggling with classroom management. At first, I was placed in a very challenging school with no support from teachers starting in a new school soon any advice so i would say man that sucks. so look first of all student teaching is going to be different because you are you're not there the whole year so some kids are just not going to they're just not like they know that they know that you're not sticking around they know that they can try and push your buttons right and i think because of that i would just push back i would just try crazy stuff and know that like this isn't going to last forever um and some of the ways that i do that is <clears throat> you know or other ways i think is like the more you're visible the more kids see that you actually care about them the more the less they're going to do wild stuff so whenever you know someone there's far less likelihood that they're going to just like anonymously do crazy stuff in your class so and the ways that I do that is when my students come in the front door on the first day of school, every like in the beginning of the year, I'm at the front door. I greet every single new freshman with a handshake as they walk into the building. Now, we don't have a freshman class of like 150 kids. So it's not like I'm at a gigantic high school, but still like that's a lot of hands to shake. But I stand out there until everyone's in. Then I greet them every single day at my door and I say hi to literally every single kid that walks by my door during the day, like constantly happens. And so when you do that, you are becoming a presence that is known, that is noticed that, you know, when I'm blowing bubbles or I'm saying hi, or I'm giving high fives or I have the hand on the stick out there and I'm giving high fives or I have baby hands. I like tuck inside my wrists, these old baby hands my wife bought from somewhere. Um, and I'm shaking kids' hands with that. Like it is showing kids there's, there's, I don't have to tell them I care. They're seeing that I care. And at the end of the day, standing in the hallway or I'm in my room, hanging out with dudes at the end of the day, every single day, um, that kind of stuff builds that rapport. And when you have rapport, the kids aren't going to act up as much. They're acting up because they don't know you and because you don't know them. And so that would be my first thing, um, that I would do before you come up with any new rule <clears throat> or anything like that. And then just ask for help. Ask other teachers, like, hey, what would you do? Here's the particular situation that happened. How would you handle that situation? And then see what they say, and that might help too. Shirley Martini, best name on the internet, saying, hey, CJ, what do you do for dealing with admin that struggle to, that you struggle to agree with, are regularly frustrated with, and have trouble communicating with? Um, oh, gosh. I think... That's such a tough question because I feel like a lot of people, let me ask this first. So, oh, all right. My man's already, he's already on there. I was going to say Richard Royster. I would love if you had an answer for this. And so he does. Um, I'm, I'm thinking. I don't, 
it kind of depends on the situation. Like it, it's, it's a hard thing because I've had admin that have been frustrating to me in the past. And sometimes you're just not going to win. Like, like your point isn't going to be heard. And so I think sometimes it comes down to like actually listening to what people are saying. So like I've had teachers that are like, <clears throat> so when this teacher comes into my room and I don't like what they say about my class. And my answer is always like, well, is it true? Like maybe take a step back and think, even though I don't like them, are their words hitting something in me that I think is true about myself, about my class? Like, like, what are, what are you thinking about? Um, and, and, and does like, does what they say actually apply? Then I think it's also about um, talking to other people. Like I would talk to other teachers and, and I think one of the ways I do this is I have my cohort of people that I've created that I trust that I don't just go to, to like talk trash on other people. Um, it's always about like, Hey, this is what's happening. And this is how it's making me feel. What do you think about this? And maybe they'll say, yeah, I've experienced that too. Or no, he just had a bad day the other day, or she had a bad day the other day. Like, I just think that that gives you space to talk about it and that those folks might know better. Um, and so that's really my only, I don't have a good answer for that. Here's what I would say. I would say number one, listen to Richard Oyster because that dude's the man. And two, if you want to follow up on that, or if you want to give me like some specifics and we can talk it out a little bit, um, just hit me up with an email and we can either do a phone call or we can do just through email, um, sort of work that out too. But that, that's what I would do. Uh, or I think the, um, the Facebook group is a great place for that too. Like there's about 500 people in the closed Facebook group now, uh, real rap with Reynolds teacher talk Facebook group. And it's awesome. Like every time I go in, I rarely interact because it's just like another thing that I cannot get to because I'm doing nine gazillion emails and mentoring and all this stuff now. But the way that people engage with one another is, it is so awesome. I can't even stand it. It Mm -hmm. is all love in there all the time. It is, it's just a, it's a magical place. It's like cloud cuckoo land, but (laughs) that sounds like a diss. I mean, I love cloud cuckoo. Except for when that unicorn goes crazy, but, um, Piano Boy, oh, Piano Boy has a new uh, new profile picture. I don't think that's a picture of you, though, my man. Um, I had my first interview and sent a thank you card like you suggested. Man, I appreciate your help. Thank you. Maybe something will come of this. So, look, that's a great point. I just want to, like, bring it up to everyone. I think handwritten, like, thank you cards are awesome for everything. Somebody comes in and speaks to your class, write them a, not a typed, unless you have like a cool old typewriter, handwrite them a thank you card and mail it to them. Not an email, not a DM, not a video message, not a text, but an actual card. It just goes so far. And if that's, you were, you know, I've done it for places that we visited. So when we visited uh, Eastern State Penitentiary last year, I sent them a thank you card. When we visited um, this guy in New York, Mac Primo, who's like one of my heroes. Uh, and you can like look him up on YouTube. He has a bunch of great content on there. Um, we sent him a thank you card. And I also sent him a picture that I took of him with my students and had all the kids sign the outside of the, uh, what do they call that? I'm, I'm blanking. What's the border on a, on a picture? The mat. The mat. Um, but thank you cards just win all the time. I send them to parents if they come in and, and bring something in, like the mom that brought a whole bunch of cookies to back to school night one night, like sent a thank you card. And I just think that that is a really great way to win and to dis to differentiate yourself 
from so many other people that are going in for an interview, send that thank you email, you're sending a card. Um, and if you have pretty handwriting, then it's a bonus. Uh, Destiny Clark is saying, when is your next trip uh, with your students? So next trip with my students is, I'm trying to think if there's anything before Vayner. Love. I think that's the first one I have coming up. Um, February, what's that? Trip with your students? You went to go see a Christmas carol. Oh, we did. So we went, we just got, right before winter break, we went to go see a Christmas carol in Princeton um, at the MacArthur <laughs> Theater. We go every year and it's super great. Like they do such a great job. And then the students who've never been to a college like Princeton before, like get to see like what a really amazing, like classic looking college looks like. And then we're going to VaynerMedia to meet with Gary Vaynerchuk and his team um, sometime like mid-February. and. That's going to be awesome too. So I just made that video the other day and told like what kids are going and stuff like that. And um, I aggravated a lot of other students that are not going on that trip because I can only pick so many. And to be honest, like um, when you have trips that have too many students on them, it's like, it, it just doesn't work all the time. Like I think, and it's very limiting. So we're going back up to see my friend Mac Primo in Philly. And I, Think my hope is we're going to go meet Oliver Jeffers. Um, so if you know who that is, he's this children's book creator that is awesome, and he's in, he's literally down the hallway from where Mac Primo's studio is. And uh, my hope is to go meet him, um, but that doesn't work if you have a hundred kids with you. It works if you have ten kids or twelve kids with you, and it's awesome. So I, I'm super stoked. I have a bunch of fun stuff coming up here. Uh, that's not a question. What are you doing? Sorry. That one. Uh, Kelly? Oh, Mel? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mel M is saying, one of the things I say a lot in my class is to own it. Awesome. Uh, if you made a boneheaded move uh, and know it, own it. I have a kid who, no matter what, won't own it. It's a lot of, I didn't do that, thoughts. So, yeah, I think sometimes you're just going to have kids that don't own whatever they did. And that's their lesson to learn. Like, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, and, I, and I, I may have talked about this recently, was my realization that we are not the be all end all. That teachers are not, we're not it. Like, th like this, right, this year, if you don't get everyone on to where, like on point to where they're supposed to be, it's all right. If you don't get kids like reading to where they're supposed to be, being um, being a, an advocate for themselves, like coming in for help, like it's okay. What we're doing as teachers is planting seeds. And some of those seeds do not develop yet. They don't grow yet. So like if I plant, I don't know, zinnias in my backyard, right? Zinnias are one of my favorite flowers in the whole world or cosmos. They grow very fast. So do sunflowers, very, very fast. And then I see them, um, like by the end of June, right? Beginning of July. Other flowers like Mexican sunflowers for some reason in my yard do not grow fast and it takes them a long time. And sometimes they don't bloom until August or September. And I think kids are the same way. Your job is to plant the seed and to do it relentlessly and to know that kids are leaving with at least that seed planted in them. And then you have no idea that it might be college, it might be later in life that they're like, yo, it dawned on me that you used to say this to us all the time and it made, then things started to click. Sometimes kids do not have enough of the puzzle together 
so that when you're helping them put pieces in, it still doesn't make sense. When they start getting more of the puzzle together, then it's, I feel like what we get to be is like the piece that makes those two big chunks come together and you finally get that piece in there and you're like, yes, I feel successful. That's what we're doing. And so I think it's all right if that kid doesn't own it right now. Um, Just don't give up on them and just keep hammering that in. And then, you know, uh, they'll get it eventually or not. And then they'll be divorced and living in the mom's basement, pushing carts at the food store. Come on. I love that example. Mm-hmm. Um, you need people to push carts at Chopper. Uh, Kelly. Oh, that person that asked about the trips, she said international trips, like with EF tours. Oh, so I use EF tours. Um, the admin at my school was not keen on me doing that during the year this year. So typically I do it during the school year. We went to Costa Rica and then Belize. Um, this year was supposed to be Greece, but I don't have childcare for my kids. So I can't go during the summer. My wife works. Um, my parents are both deceased. Uh, my wife's parents are, her mom lives in New Mexico and her dad works. So like, we don't have that sort of support system to be able to like, for someone to watch my kids. And so I can't do it in the summer because I'm the one watching my kids. So this year it was put on hold next year's Greece by real dream is to have the following year, if I can figure this stuff out, like figure out how to go and when to go and all that stuff, is to take kids to Africa. Um, I'd love to go to South Africa. It would be, I didn't tell you that. No, and you can't go back without me. I won't. No, that's not true, people. That's not happening. I said it was a dream. Not all all dreams come true. That's right, they don't. Okay, next one. (laughs) Kelly... Jackanovich? I'm pretty sure I just nailed that. that is, if, can you tell me if I nailed that? Because that would be amazing. Um, does anyone have advice for repeated disruptive behavior? I have one student who is repeatedly interrupting class, and I've done everything I can from talking to him to getting admin involved. Look, Kelly, I think depending on the kid, sometimes just putting dudes out works. So I have a kid this year, and I really like him. He's the kind of kid that I didn't have him last year. He got left back and I heard about him from every teacher. Oh, wait till he's in your class. He never shuts up. He never knocks it off. For some, in some miracle of a way, I've ended up connecting with the student, right? But he still never shuts up. Like ever. Like I like in a way where you would think no one ever talks to him unless he makes a spectacle, right? So sometimes I'm like, bro, you got like, you know, I love you. You got to step out though. Cause you're just not going to be quiet. And they're like, no, 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 Mr. Rums, Mr. Rums. I, pr- I promise. I promise I'll stop. And then three seconds later, he's t- turn around talking to the kid behind him, bro. You got, you got to split, man. Come back when you're ready. And if you if you come back again and you're not ready, like you can take a zero for the day and send you to the office. Like, I just think that sometimes it's that kind of stuff because what, what that's doing is it takes over your class. It's setting a bad precedent, a bad example for the other students. And it's a, it's forcing you to put all of your time and attention on that particular student. And so all the number two students in the class, or I've talked about this before, were like the number one students are the kids that can pretty much teach themselves. The number three students are the kids that are always vying for your attention, always being disruptive. But then there's all the number two kids that are in the middle that are going to fail or not do as well because you're giving all of your attention to these two other polar opposites. And so removing one of them so you can pay attention to that student, I just think is an okay move to do. Like, And then you follow up. Like You don't just kick kids out of class and they 
you know, miss all the work. Like you have to follow up with that, but that's how I would do it. I just get rid of dudes sometimes. And they already know who they are. So if that kid's watching this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's not turtle though. You pronounce her name wrong. I did. No. Oh, right there. Jack Anovich. I was so close. I think I said Jack Anovich, mm. which is not right. But I'm from New Jersey. So maybe. That's my that's my excuse <laughs> at school. When I can't pronounce everything. Uh, Mad Monkey Twenty Six is saying I'm losing a lot of confidence. How can I become more confident? Um, I think by doing stuff that builds confidence, and that sounds silly, but I think becoming confident in general is, um, it's bothering me because I feel like I look like some weird hipster dude, but, uh, I think, so look, when years ago I was having like, uh, like my thirties were very tumultuous, right? So like, um, my twenties, my mom passed away when I was 22 that was met with like a level of depression I've never experienced in my life. I was never depressed before in my life. Um, and I was sad on a level where like, I couldn't get out of bed. Like I just stayed in bed all day. And um, I had things I wanted to do, but I just, it just didn't feel it. Then that, when I kind of was working through that, I just, it, that my, something in me flipped entirely. And I became more of a extrovert than ever in my life started doing tons of crazy stuff, like, like traveling across the country by myself for months at a time um, and living out of my car, um, going on adventures. Like it, I had this real sense of like, um, this is all going to end at some point. So I did that for about eight years, hardcore. And then when I turned somewhere around 30, I got like, I, I finally settled down. We bought a house. We had a kid. We got married. And I think what that did was like gave me time to think and I got like really depressed again and, and kind of had to work through a lot of stuff because it, it was almost like doing all that crazy stuff in my 20s. I wasn't like paying attention to the hurt and then the hurt doesn't go away. Like it caught up with me and I didn't feel confident in myself. I didn't feel like confident about anything in my life. And so I started running and I started to, I did the couch to 5k program, which is essentially um, they say, if you follow the program, which worked for me, you can go from not being able to run all being a couch potato to being able to run a 5k, which is like 3.1 miles or something like that in like three months or something like that. And I downloaded the free app on my phone. I followed it. And I, that built a level of confidence in me. When I remember running that first 5k, that was like, it was life-changing. And so since then, I've just tried to scale that, right? So like, what else can I do? Like, I can't cook. I can't, um, I'm, you know, can't run any further than that. I can't, like, I just started doing more and more stuff that built confidence in me. And then when I had that confidence, it, it changed everything else in my life as well. And so that, look, think about like, literally, if we want to go back to Karate Kid, we could, but like any karate movie you've ever seen in your life, when you learn how to like kick and punch and defend yourself, like it doesn't just change you if you're in a fight, like you feel more confident in general, like you feel like you're worth something. So that would be my answer is to just like find anything you're actually wanting to do and then like scale that. So maybe you start running or swimming or um, praying or working. I don't know, whatever, whatever that thing is for you that you want to do. <clears throat> and I think that that 
that confidence just always scales. Confidence is confidence across the board. Uh, Zoe J is saying, I asked last week about a job interview. I was nervous for just an update, but I was offered two jobs this week following my observed lesson. That is awesome. Good for you, Zoe. Um, that is what a, what a great feeling, right? Like when you first get called back for a job interview, it's like, mm-hmm. man, you feel like a boss after that. What do you got there, buddy? Um, a lot of trolls on here tonight and stuff. I think, I think as we're trending, I think we might be trending in the live feed thing. But we only have 80 people. Yeah, but typically we have more than that, and it's Sunday night. Okay. So, whatever. Who the hell um, else is live feed? Hey, trolls. Thanks for showing up and adding to my uh, view count there and <laughs> making me feel important. Um, if you have any actual questions, we'd be happy to answer those. And I hope they have a great night. Uh, Diana Forbes is saying, I'm looking for my forever teaching home. That fills my heart up already so much. Uh, But I don't want to deal with unsupportive admin. What are some red flags I should look for when I interview? You know, that's a great question. I I don't know that I have an answer for that. And this is why. When you first meet someone that you're interested in, right? You're looking for, you know, a boyfriend or a husband or a wife or whatever, right? We present the best version of ourselves, right? So like, you don't always know what's lying underneath or that like they look super hot in the bar from a corner, but then you meet them and they have like no manners or they chew their nails all the time or their apartment is like a disaster area and they don't clean the kitty litter and stuff like that. Like we present the best version of ourselves. I, um, I mean, I think one of the things I'm good at um, is I'm very intuitive. And so I've always had really good friends for the most part because um, I have a good like meter or like a radar for like telling if someone's a good person or not. And so that's worked well for me in schools also. Um, and then there's other people, I'm not going to say any names, but they don't have that intuition. <laughs> I don't, well, it's gotten better. It no. really has. I must have had somewhat you, of a good intuition. I picked you. Or, or I had a good intuition and I had one new, but no, you, some of our favorite friends right now are people that I, I accredit you for That's bringing right. into our lives. Um, but yeah, when we were kids, like you didn't have good intuition. And I was always like, why are you hanging out with these people? They're like, not cool. You're like, no, no, they're cool. And I'm like, no, they're not. All right. So I just think that that's something you have or you don't. I would figure it out by asking other teachers. Like I would, I'm wondering if there's a way that when you do an interview, if you can interact with other teachers, observe their classes and say like, Hey, how do you feel about the school? Like, what, what do you, do you like being here? Do you like what do you think about it? Well, you know, what's really funny. It reminds me, I feel like some schools are very closed off to parents and they do that because it's like, you don't want to see what's behind the door, behind the curtain. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Like but I think some interviews are like that too. Like they, they like make it nice and shiny and you don't really get to know until you, I can't imagine so there would be some red flags. You put your best foot at our school, right? When I, part of my interview process, the first thing that they do is they, they give you a tour of the school but they have a student do it. Now we always pick the best students to do it. Yeah. But when I got done, when I did it, I remember I asked more questions of that kid than he told me about stuff. I'm like, so who's your favorite teacher? What do you like about their class? What kind of extra school programs uh, do you do? Like it was all about asking him those questions. And then I was able to gather an enormous amount of information. Um, like who's your toughest teacher? What's a class that you don't think is uh, like whatever. And that really, really helps too. Um we got this one. Yes. Gunner boy 169 is saying 
Hey Reynolds, how do you manage to your time effectively as a teacher? Any advice would be much appreciated. Um, I, I plan out everything. So every single day of my life, um, I have a list of at least three things that I need to get done that day. And then I just cut out all the other nonsense. So I think if you really prioritize your time and, and look, you might have to be more strict about this on the front end and then you just get better at dealing with it. But I think if you looked at your day and whether it's school time or home time or time with your kids, like um, I was listening to this the other day, uh, Ed Milet was talking about this. Ed Milet's this guy on YouTube that I really appreciate. And he has good advice a lot of times. He sounds really cheesy, but um, his advice is like spot on. So Ed Milet says, you have to plan everything to the moment. So if you're going to hang out with your kids tonight, you have to put it on the schedule. And that seems cold and weird, but if you're going to, if I'm playing Fortnite with my son, or if I'm playing Overwatch, or if we're just hanging out or we're doing Legos, it's like, I have to factor in that time from five to six. And then like, so like, let's just say that's my time. But while I'm doing that, I'm only doing that. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not going on Instagram. I'm not seeing how a video did on YouTube. I'm not following up with someone through an email. I'm just doing that. And I think when you start doing that, like if you planned out your whole day like that, you would be blown away by how much stuff you got done. Now, when you're doing those things, you can't be going on your phone. You can't be like, you know, as Ron Swanson says, don't half-ass anything, whole-ass everything. And then you're actually getting a ton of stuff done. That, and I just don't, I don't consume any... Like, I don't watch, sh- are you crying or laughing? Um, my daughter laughs so adorably when she has headphones on. She's watching YouTube and I don't know what she's laughing at, but I just, the sound of it just fills my heart with joy. Um, I, that's, that's how I get stuff done. It's like, I literally have to plan it like that. And then I crush it afterwards. And then I always, always get up before my alarm clock. Um, anytime I've been at my best in my life is when I'm getting up early because I refuse to be a slave to the alarm clock. I refuse to be a slave to me getting up at six so I can get out of the house by seven. I want to wake up an hour beforehand so I can do my thing. And then, then I leave. Uh, Kristen is saying any book recommendations I'm homeschooling a struggling reader. First of all, first of all, can we even just stop there? The parallels of our life is so. The fact that you're homeschooling is so awesome because it's hard and it's like, it, like not that you don't already know this, but I just want to affirm you. And it's something we're actually thinking about for our children because our school system is just the worst. And, um, and I, could, I mean, it is like, that's not easy for me to say either because I'm a teacher. I realize the limitations of teachers and it's not the teachers at all. It is the system in which that kids are being brought up in. So I just commend you for doing something so and like we have an 11 year old and struggling reader yeah. so <laughs> um tr- uh, struggling reader that is turning 11 and trying to tutor kids around her age with the same issues she hates reading so look i think number one i would say i know are you gonna wh- could you whisper things yes you could just say them. no you, you want to do a hand puppet no like this? <laughs> i think um one reading has to become a, a daily part of your life every single day right like I I hate doing a number of things that I have to do right like I don't like waking up early I don't like running I don't like doing push-ups like but you do them all right I don't do push-ups all the time that's my new challenge though um <laughs> is uh I'm gonna, I'll share that with everyone at the end um just because it's super weird right um and you told me not to but uh they I think that 
you're building in that time and then that time never changes. And then it's there every single day when you have to do this. And the second part is, is kids that don't like to read don't, I think largely don't like to read because they've not found something that they like to read. So if you were um, reading, I don't know, anything, but if, even if it was a short article on something, right? So like, let's say you got Scholastic Magazine, they have really brief articles in there about something you're interested in. You're going to read it. Like it's, it draws you in. But if you're reading, I don't know, the bell jar that you're going to be like, nah, this sucks. Like if I, if someone made me read Waldman high school, I would have hated it. I'm so glad I didn't because I ended up loving that book. Um, but I think graphic novels are the best way in find out. Is, does your son, was it a son or daughter? I think it was a son. Yeah. They just said 11 year old. I think, so. I think so. Do they like, um, uh, Avengers? Do they like Batman? Do they like Punisher? Are there certain shows that they watch flash? And then what, kind of comic books could you get them or graphic novels could you get them based on that stuff and I think that's the first way that was my introduction into reading and then I didn't read for years after that but I I hated reading but man reading graphic novels reading comic books and then getting hooked in with kids that also loved it now you have something to talk about now you're informing your conversation with kids later where I'm hanging with someone and we're talking about the Punisher and they're like yeah but did you know this Happened in an earlier episode or issue, bam, check this issue out. And then you're like, that's where it's coming from. You need to do something with the reading that you're doing. Um, I think, and that makes it, it just makes it more relevant. Now it's like, I'm doing this for something because I like hanging out with my friends and talking about this stuff or joining like a book club or, or actually, I, I really think it? so in our, in our family, like we have, they both struggled to, to get there. Our daughter is doing better now, but um, graphic novels were it because they were short and the pictures, there's so many great. And I think that trend is really picking up and there's like a ton of like more novels, even for girls. And and it's not just the superheroes. It's like, yeah, dog man. And, oh, there's um, tons of graphic novels. Yeah. Captain there's, on the there's, pants. Right, there's so many. And I think that they're really the best for struggling readers. They keep it visually interesting with they're the story funny. and they're short usually like each little block it doesn't look overwhelming to them yeah i really think that's the best yeah that's a good move i think also reading to your kids yes for sure that we're doing um a picture book unit right now with uh some of my classes where they're creating children's books based on a story from their life and it is fascinating to me whenever i read a children's book to a bunch of 15 year old boys like oh. the level in which they actually really, really listen is mind blowing. And so I think kids never get over, I and mean, we still read to one another and enjoy it. I read to you yeah, all Yeah, you do read to me a lot. And we've read out and taking turns reading books. Yeah. Um, this comment drives me insane. Kristen, uh, it's a daughter, but she likes boy stuff, never girl stuff. She loves comics, but I was always told in school, comic books aren't books. The struggle is real. That's such a BS. That's stupid. It's the dumbest um, thing ever. You are, look, Kristen, let, let me affirm this in you also. Your intuition <laughs> as a mother is always right. Like the life lesson for everyone is that whenever my wife goes with her gut, she's I always right, 95% of the time right. I probably want to say when it comes to my kids, probably like 99. It's crazy high, right? Yeah. No matter what it is, whether it's, giving them a certain medication, like yeah. everything we've ever struggled with. When you're like, I don't know, I just have a feeling we should do this. It is always right. Words are words. Like, I don't care what, right. like 
I want my boys to read anything. I don't care if it's a magazine. I don't care what it is. Or if it's because an audio book. Having the ability to read will then later, if you're interested in reading, allow you to read, right? So if you're a struggling reader, you have to read more to become a better reader. And then, or I mean, or unless there's other things going on, right? Like maybe it's looking into um, an Orton Gillingham program or something along those lines, but like largely... I just think that, yeah, comic books are 100% authentic. Um, and I would even ask, uh, who's my homie? Colby Sharp. Um, he's like, loves reading his YouTube channel. If you go to Colby Sharp at, on YouTube, um, he has tons of great stuff about reading on there as well. Tracy Pinter is saying, we do NWE. Oh, there's like three of them. So just make sure okay. We do NWEA sure. map testing three times a year. We do that as well. It's great. Um, our spring benchmark is in two months. We were told 80% of our students must meet their goal. Uh, most of them are not students, or most, if not all students, are two to seven years below grade level. Moving down to the next one. Um, I have 60-minute classes and have to teach using specific format. Oh, gosh, I already know where this is going. That's terrible. Uh, and all the lessons and activities must be on grade level. How do I work? on needed lessons that are all ability are on are on ability levels to fill filling gaps but still need to grade level within the district set guidelines within 60 minute class period so look i i don't i don't know that i have an answer for this but this is what i'm thinking about it, for some reason the other day it hit me about how aggravated i was that students like they do not like school's not about kids school's about performing and numbers and funding and nonsense and, and politics it is not about the students for the most part and the reason i say that like even at a school like mine that i love so much we are in a district that does not require us to test students for dyslexia right so i have had students in the past that i am certain they are dyslexic, but they do not have to test them. So, and, and so we don't, cause there's no funding there to test them because we dream on a budget as it is. So we don't test them. Then they're still dyslexic. And then it's like, no, you have to teach this child and they have to pass the basic skills test for the state to graduate. Well, bro, how are we going to do that? If we're like, that's like a kid having one leg and we're like, no, he has to win the race. Like he has to finish running the race. Like what, like in, in a certain amount of time, it's like, but it's not fair. He's missing a leg. Nope. We don't want to hear your excuses. We gave you the training program, get him out there and get him running. And it's like, that stuff just doesn't make sense. And so part of me, Tracy thinks, what are you supposed to do with that? Like you, you teach your kids the way they need to be taught so that they can actually grow. And if they don't pass the test, I mean, will you lose your job if that happens? Because honestly, the more I think about some of the students that I that I teach, the oh gosh, I'm really trying not to out things too much here. I'll just say that it is heartbreaking that students are put in classes where they are not given the resources they need because we want because schools are created for kids that are vanilla, right? But if you have a mint chocolate chip kid or a rocky road kid, you're you're in trouble, right? Like, like, what are you supposed to do now? And so 
I don't particularly have an answer for that, but my gut would say, I just teach the kids. Like, I don't give a crap what they get on that test. I have to give that test also. We have to give the Keystone test also. There's all, you know, all the tests the kids have to take. Um, benchmark tests. I just don't care. Like, I'll say this on the internet and then it lives there. I just don't care um, if it is, like, a, unless it's crucial for them to, to pass that test to get to move on. But even that, like, it's like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm rambling a lot here. And, but I realize that it's, it's because I'm frustrated. Um, I just teach the kids the way the kids I think need to learn. I do the best that I can. And then they, they move on from there. And it's like, you just can't, I'm, I'm just not going to play your game. Like I, I just think, and, and my school's really great with that too. I want to say also, we are constantly told that we're not teaching to the test. We're constantly told not to teach to the test. Um, we are giving full autonomy in the classroom. The only thing, I, there are very few things I have to do during the year um, as a part of my curriculum, but I, other words, am given full freedom in my classroom. I don't do lesson plans. Like, I, like it's a great place, but even that, being that we're a great place because of the admin, because they make it that way. But the state still has all these bullshit standards that we're supposed to do. I just refuse to listen to them. And so um, they're threatening to put those who do not, who do, I think that do not perform on improvement plans, which is the first step in the state eyes towards termination. Crazy. Yeah. It's like, then I don't, that is, I look, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to say because I know that you have a son. And so it's like, what do you do when you have a kid? Like I have kids, I have a mortgage, I have car payments, you know, but I just, I don't know. I, I just keep doing it. It's like, I just am like, F it. Like, like whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but I'm going to do what's right for the kids. Um, and I realized that I have some of the freedom to do that. And like, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to get fired. That's kind of the beauty of teaching in the hood too. Is like, you're pretty sure that they're not going to fire you and stuff like that goes down. But I don't know. I'm sorry if that wasn't a very good answer, but maybe just knowing that someone else there is out there is going through the same thing. Um, and that I feel that pain also is, uh, is worth something. Um, Elena Morris says, how do you handle those defiant students in your classroom? Um, defiant students. I think humor works a lot. I think, uh, like, so let's flip the, the script here. Um, I think using humor works way better than anything else. So if I have a kid that says something out of pocket, I say it back. So if someone curses in my class, I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't say the word, whatever it is. Um, or if I'm, or if it's something vile, they say to another student, like, oh, just so everyone knows, like, we're not allowed to say you can blank, right? And if we need to put a poster on the wall, I guess, I guess we can make a poster that says like, you're not allowed to say, like, these are words you're not allowed to say, but then that makes it <laughs> awkward when people come in. Um, or I go, bro, what are you doing? You can't say that stuff. I have kids, they have to eat. You. I mean, and they're cute too. Like, do you want my kids to not eat? Like, I just think going at things sometimes um, with humor wins. I think the other thing that wins is curiosity. You know, it's interesting. Like I'm here, let's just break this down. Like I'm noticing that like you refuse to sit in class. You refuse to answer questions. You refuse to do your homework. You're whatever. Like this is what I'm seeing. And this is a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I'm interested in why that's happening. Like what, or why you think you can get away with that in my class. And I just think that's an interesting conversation because then it's not like 
you're just putting them in their place or like disciplining them. It's like, that's, that's interesting that you said that like that, like, why would you do that? And then actually listening to what they say, not being passive aggressive about it or anything, but just being curious. I think curiosity wins a lot of times. Um, Marby Byers is saying, do you have any motivational speaking sessions coming up in New York? And we'll go as far as Boston or Washington, DC. So, uh, I have a couple of things out there that I'm waiting to hear back on. Um, and once I do know, one of my plans is on the new website on realrapwithreynolds.com is to be able to list those. So there's, I have two potential, like I have some stuff coming up in New York that hasn't been announced yet. So I don't know like the exact date or room number or time or anything like that. And so that's why I'm being vague. Two in New York, one in Pittsburgh, one in Scranton, one in Philly. Um, I forget what else is out there. And there's a couple other possibilities out there of like people that are talking to administration and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something. Uh, the other question is, does your school need someone? Because I could come to New York if your school was willing to have me up there and have me speak for the day or run a PD session or whatever. Um, let me know. We could do that too. And it'd be awesome. Okay. Destiny Clark is saying, do you pocket full primary and letter classroom get enough votes? To There's one of them. Um, to present at the conference, I might be, I might have missed the fall. So we did not say anything yet because it's not been officially announced. So, um, myself, for those of you that don't know, uh, Michelle from pocket full primary and Bridget from the letter classroom tried to get into the ISTE conference. ISTE is the biggest, uh, biggest tech teacher conference in the world. So people come from all over the world to go to it. And I spoke at it last year with my friend, Darren. And then this year we needed people to vote. We were number 15. Yeah. Like we were in the top 15, I think, um, out of hundreds, oh, thousands. Yeah, like the hundreds to a thousand. Hundreds oh, to a thousand. Somewhere around. All right. So anywhere in between. <laughs> like there were a ton of people. So and they said they picked dozens. We have to have gotten in there. It has to have happened. So as soon as I know. Um, I'm going to let everyone know because I'm really, really excited about that opportunity. So uh, as soon as I know, you'll know. Um, Kayla Stefan, Stefan is saying advice on building relationships with those students that are immediately not following expectations on the first days of the trimester or of the semester. Uh, want to keep expectations high without hurting relationships. Um, I think so. I have a video on this on my channel. I have a couple videos on this on my channel. I, I just think. One, look, I've had pro I've had kids that were the worst for the first. I know. What does he want? Food? Watch your I foot just, is. I just fed him. Tangled up. I want you to fall on the internet. Um, so I've had kids that were like a total nightmare in the beginning of the year, and then you just slowly build relationships because you. I I just think there's a there's a thousand ways to do this from finding out what they like like so sending kids like um i have kids fill out like a who am i sheet and it has all this different information if you want one of these just email me i'll shoot you an email with it on there um asking kids to fill out a who am i sheet eating lunch with your students learning what your kids like and then watching that also um being a presence in the hallway and like so they can start to see you as a real human being um finding out who their friends are like who are you hanging out with what are you doing outside of school calling home and just saying not putting them on blast but saying like Hey, these are some behaviors that I'm noticing in class. I'm trying to figure out the best way to deal with them. 
what has worked in the past, right? Like what have what other teachers have connected with your student? And then what did they do that that worked for that kid? I think all that stuff works. I think time is the thing that really tells though, because some students have just sucked in the past and then they just become great students. Um, but it just took some time for them to actually see that you were who you said you were going to be, that you actually cared as much because you can tell someone you care, but it's not until you show them. Uh, one of my friends, Hannah at, at school says love is a verb. And it's not just, you can't just say, I love you. You have to show people that you love them. And I think care is the same thing. And so, or, or and anything or discipline can be the same thing. It's like, you can tell kids that, you know, you don't accept late work, but then it's not until late work is they try and actually do it, that you can show them that you're for real. So that's, that's what I would suggest. Mixed topic team says, uh, I'm, that's a very curious thing. Uh, I'm a student with a 504 plan. Do you have any issues with kids overusing their 504 plan? If so, um, how do you know? And then how do you deal with it? A teacher thought I was, and I wasn't, uh, it wasn't like that at all. So like, I have students that like, uh, I have students that try, I think, to get an edge however they can. Um, but I, you know, mostly it's intuition. Mostly it's because I take the time to build relationships with all of my students on some level so I can call BS or not. So like, I know if you are just trying to go to the bathroom for 20 minutes, or if you really need to go to the bathroom, if you, um, were if it really was an accident that you said that did that thing or if I know you better than that I'm like bro no I'd like you're lying to me I think as a student though here's the more interesting thing is like what how do you how do you deal with that how do you deal with a teacher that thinks you're a liar or thinks that you're not telling the truth or thinks that you're trying to take advantage of the situation I think there's two ways that you can do that one you wait until they are not busy. Do not go up to them when they're teaching class. Don't ask them in the beginning of class or at the end of class or while they're grading something like, hey, is there a time that I can come in? And this this is a big, this is like an adult move here, right? And not even all adults are capable of doing this. So it, if you do this, it will be awesome. One, going in and saying, do you have time? I'd just like to follow up with you about what happened. Like, do you have time today at some point? Or if not, is there a time this week we can follow up? And if they say so, then go in and say, hey, look, I, I just want to make it clear that this is what actually happened in class. And I'm where I'm concerned that you saw something else and then have that conversation and then hear them out without thinking of what you're going to say next. So when that, when the teacher speaks to that and speaks to you, you're just listening, right? And that's going to give you a couple of advantages. One, you're going to fully hear what they have to say. And two, it will give you ammunition for anything you want to say back. The best way to argue with someone is to actually use their argument against them, but you're doing both of those. You're also being considerate and actually listening. If that, if that doesn't work, if you're awkward about that or feel nervous, I think writing people letters is the best way out, out of, outside of that. that. And I learned this from my wife, that when she was growing up and she had an issue with one of her parents, she, and she knew that they weren't going to listen to her, that they were just going to yell at her. She would always write, do you know that that's where I got the idea from was from you to do this, that she would write letters and then her dad would read the letter and he couldn't, he, he couldn't argue back. He couldn't say anything back to her in the moment. And it wasn't like he misheard her. It's all written down and very, very clear. 
but you always go at it with a voice it of makes the other person listen. Yeah. And I, but I think, and you would probably argue against this. I think kindness wins and I think curiosity wins. And I think that being that writing in a, in an angry tone or, or sarcastic tone. And this is coming from a very, very sarcastic dude. Like you don't win like that. That's what they're expecting. They're not expecting curiosity, which is just like you trying to understand why they would have acted that way or what they thought. And with kindness is not what most teachers are expecting a student, especially if you have a 504 plan. Like they might think they know who you are and you're like, nah, bro, I'm about to like hit you with some real truth and like read out left field, like, like hit you with kindness and you never saw that coming. So that's how I would deal with that situation. All right, I have two more questions. Okay, like two more questions she's saying. Uh, Leslie Carmichael is saying, I teach upper elementary ELA and I'm wondering what are some reading writing strategies that you wish elementary teachers would uh, would help students master to ensure success in middle and high school? Thanks, Leslie. I think, Leslie, that's a great question. I think one is, um, I find that my students do not have any as much grit or endurance when it comes to writing. So they can read very little bits at a time, but if they are presented, let's say, on a state test, if there's a reading section, or if I, on one of my tests, I have closed reading all the time, students will try and read the question and then find the answer by skimming it, by looking for keywords, by looking for clues, instead of being able to just read that whole thing. So I think that's one of them is having some like endurance in their ability to read. Most of my kids, what's that? Where does the endurance come from? When you don't identify learning disabilities, especially reading in middle, yeah. in elementary school, most kids are, especially dyslexic kids, are identifiable by kindergarten and first grade. But schools like to ignore them until they're almost in fourth grade. And then remediation takes so long. You're not, you can't even close the gap at that point. Yeah. You're working to try and like, prevent it from growing any further but actually remediating with bs programs that schools have that for me when you're one in five for dyslexic so but i don't know i don't know if that's the case right so like sure how can it not when you are like a ninth grade teacher and how many high school teachers do we know that have said the children in there cannot read they read on third and fourth grade reading levels why because they're they have a a learning disability of some level in reading or around reading there's major issues with how teachers aren't taught to teach reading that's my rant sorry so what would your answer be then it's not anything that teachers can do unfortunately on the camera a little bit because you're all there has to be something teachers can do you I'm not always, camera. I hate being on camera. Girl. Uh, I don't think that there's always something that teachers can do. I think when you don't have the correct interventions and programs, and that's up to schools and administrators, like, you know, like. So I would say as a teacher then is pushing to have students evaluated and have abs- kids looked at. And absolutely. Then, and then what do you do? do what do you do when you suspect those things? One of the things I do is like making sure that kids have the technology that they need um, to be able to grow as readers. So like, if you are dyslexic, like studies show that typing is better than writing. Like the words, like you can, you can, it helps with your, with, with a whole host of things, but like the, the bottom line is, is typing is better than writing. Um, I think that also like 
getting kids audiobooks instead of just um just reading books helps right i think that uh like text to speech stuff works also so like if you have an app that like scans the page and it's reading along with the students so they're reading along with it they also have pens that do this and all kinds of stuff like like i know but getting that technology yeah, but you don't so, i, I mean it depends on what school you're from it My does. School. those are things that teachers can do but unfortunately and i think that this is more common in schools than not is that they just don't have the resources for those sort of things look how long it took us to get so I tried to get um, assistive technology for our son, and I was told that you need to be blind or deaf to get any sort of assistive technology evaluation, which is a lie. Um, it's specifically for print disabilities, and it took me a year for him to get any sort of, he got a Surface Pro, which is, that's a whole other issue, but um, I, yeah, I just don't think that, I think there are a lot of tools out there but it really comes down to it's expensive. Not all places have technology. There's a lot that like, unfortunately teachers hands are just tied and it comes to administrators. Yeah. That I really, it's really, really, really unfortunate. But I think also the biggest part, which is really important is for teachers to be more knowledgeable about learning disabilities. So I'm going to push back on what you're saying real quick, because I oh, think come on. teachers being advocates for their students is sometimes the best thing that they can do. Agreed. And, but most schools because don't. how many, how, how many, many meetings, meetings have we been at? They just sit there. They don't say anything. Don't because they're afraid. And I think not being afraid and being an advocate for your students is the best thing that you can do. Agreed. But then I really feel bad for look, we've had people in our own school district that stood up for children and now they got, they got put in the learning, the, contained classroom for like behavior like that's where a woman is now teaching because she like is being punished because she tried that's to stand up story. right i mean, right. but it's just real sorry teachers what do we well that wasn't really that was an interesting answer i'd be interested sorry, if that, I'm, i'd be really interested if that question was dropped in the facebook group also to see like what other like ell and yeah. esl teachers someone like, said, said about that. someone said something about like you know what about autism that's just bad i agree i think there's a bit more supports there, but like, because it's more mainstream, at least in our district, there's a lot, if you're autistic, there's a lot of supports. If you're dyslexic, there's nothing. Um, I think it's all hard. Any sort of disability for any child is, is just difficult yeah. and they need extra support and there's just not enough. Yep. Um, last question. Yes. Okay. Steph 108 is saying, have you ever joked around with a student and they've taken it the wrong way? Oh, if I knew how many times I'd done that. Um, how do you know if your humor would be taken as humorous with students? It's not always, and I don't always know. Like sometimes I think I know, sometimes I say things and I think in the moment it's going to be really funny. Um, and I don't even want to share them here because some of them are really out of pocket and they're embarrassing. And so like I've said things to kids, I think the, the, the question that I like to follow up to that is what do you do if you say something to a kid, if you think it's funny and then they take it personally, or you make a joke about like, um, I forget what I said one year to a girl where I said, I think it was as innocuous as, Hey, Mr. Reynolds, what time is parent teacher conferences? And I said, eight o'clock and let your mom know that chocolate chip cookies are my favorite. And then she started crying her eyes out and ran out of the room. And I was like, 
what the hell just happened? And so her friend goes, really great, Reynolds. Her mom just died last May and she's still really sensitive about it. And I'm like, dude, I had no idea. And I wasn't even, it wasn't even like a mom joke. It was just like this funny little like, ah, bring me cookies. Like I like cookies. So um, you just never know. But I think it's like, what do you do when that happens? So for me, it was of course like finding that student, not right away, letting them feel that, like not, not trying, I'm not trying to like, take your pain from you, like feel your pain, but then know that like, like I just apologize on a level where it's like, look, do you get, like, hopefully you get my vibe and where I'm coming from. Like it is, I think teaching is always ever only about the students and that I really care about you. And I would never, ever say anything to hurt your feelings, especially on that sort of level. I'm really sorry that I triggered something in you. And if you ever want to talk about it, I'd love to be able to do that with you. And, you know, as a kid, like I lost both of my parents and I know so I know I know what that felt like for me, and, and I think it's probably somewhat similar for you. But um, just know that my classroom's open anytime that you need it. And if you ever are feeling that way, if we talk about anything in class that triggers those feelings, like you can just take the bathroom pass and go to the bathroom and like and have that moment, um, or or take a friend out, or or let me know, or whatever, right? And I think that what you're doing really like, so I wouldn't take back any of those times I've hurt someone's feelings or if I've said something that was wrong because it's always led to a deeper connection afterwards. It gives that opportunity for you to be the example of what vulnerability looks like of what being of sympathizing or empathizing with someone looks like of you being like kind of you being like a human. You're not like the teacher on the, on the soapbox, but you're like actually like leveling with a kid and saying like, Hey man, I mess up. And then this is what it looks like when you mess up in life and how you can handle that situation. Um, that's what I do every single time, no matter what, even if I, even if I don't like, if I don't, yeah, there's no, no exceptions. That's it. So look, um, that's my last answer for the night. Um, look, if anyone has any further questions, um, you can go in the Facebook group, you can feel free. Real rapid rounds teacher talk is on there. Um, you can shoot me an email, you can, uh, anything else, anything that you're thinking of, I'd be, be happy to help you out with that. And anything else? Mm-mm. Cool. Until, until next week. Oh, what? we are doing this next week. I know it's Super Bowl. We're still going to do it anyway. Cause you know, the Eagles didn't make it, but Andy Reid's in the Super Bowl with the Rams. So that's who we're rooting for. Cause they he used to be the coach of the Eagles. Um, that's it. Okay. Wife. Yeah. You were on Teacher Talk tonight. I appreciate it. Right. I hope everyone has a great week. And that's it. Peace.